0: Welcome, everyone, to The Truth Podcast. I'm your host, Hani Rambod. I'm here with a very special guest, none other than the one they call the menace, Dennis James. What is up, Dennis James? Not much, man. Not, not, not much. Waiting for you i know i know i have one of those things that we've been talking about trying to get you get myself on your podcast which is going to be great because i know that your podcast is growing tremendously so um if you guys haven't seen it definitely want to check out dennis james's podcast uh it's awesome and for those that don't know dennis more than just the fact that he is so involved in bodybuilding, Dennis has a very long, illustrious career in bodybuilding and um, you've won so many damn shows, man. And I didn't you guys, win that many
1: shows. I didn't win that many shows.
0: Well, you've done a lot and you've mixed it up. I mean, you're the guy that um, I'm going to have pictures of you posted up. So Tim is going to post up some pictures of you in post-production that's going to basically show you were Mr. Olympia of the gym. Like nobody can beat your pictures of you in the know. gym.
1: I don't even know if I'm happy about this. I, I, I don't like when people say that, though.
0: I know, but the problem is that you looked absolutely ridiculous in the gym. And one of the things that I wanted to ask you is, you're saying that you don't like that, but is it something? Tell me why. Why is it that? Is it because I don't know?
1: You, if I could, if I would have an answer, or if I would know why. Oh, I would have tried to change that back then, you know. But like, do you feel
0: Do you feel like you kind of because you kind of would just peek in 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 the gym, and you couldn't get that look on stage, or do you feel like it was just a different? I
1: mean, back then, I, back then, I always put my my trust in in others. I didn't really decide for myself, you know, how what you know. I, I back then, I, I always had somebody that um uh, fully trusted and, and followed you know and as I, I say one thing and i say this now a lot in the last years if i would know back then what i know today i would have probably snatched one or two <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so, you know so who are
0: you, who were you working with back then who were you working with back then
1: i was working i mean in the beginning i was i was working by myself when like, when i was doing the when i was winning the usa okay uh then uh I was and what, waiting, year,
0: what year did you win the USA, DJ? 1998.
1: That was the first year they introduced the super superheroes.
0: That's right. Because before that was, God, when, was Melvin right before or right after you?
1: No, no, no. Melvin was after me. He won right. 99. I beat him in, 90, in
0: 98. Right. So 97, there was just a heavyweight class.
1: It was just heavyweights. And the guy that won was the guy that won at 97 was basically also a guy that nobody expected. And then we never saw him again. Who was that? I can't remember his name. If I hear it, I know, but I can't remember off the top of my
0: head. I know Phil Hernan, who just passed away, was night. Was he 95 or? or
1: 95. Say, 96. Right. 96 was. Um, wasn't Craig Titus 96?
0: I think he was right around then because it was... it 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 was it was, it was Oh, because Phil,
1: when Phil won, he beat Titus.
0: Right. When we say Phil, guys, I know you guys are going to think Phil Heath. It's not Phil Heath. We're talking about Phil Hernan. And then I think Cormier was around that time too. I think Chris... No, no,
1: no, no. Cormier was big. Flex was 93. Cormier was 94.
0: 94. So it was, it was like this lineup because I remember one of the toughest top five USAs was kind of like... It was like Flex. It was it was like um, Paul DeMaio, It was like there was like there was this one stint of the top fives were just legends, yeah, yeah. and it was it was crazy. And again, like you said, that's back when there was only one pro car too. One
1: that's it for two categories. No matter of fact, in ninety eight it was no no it, it was one.
0: Three. It was one earlier on. Earlier on, it was one overall. Then it switched over and it became two top two. No, minute. no, no. What
1: I'm saying, what I, what I wanted to say was, I, you're right, what you're saying. But what I yeah. said was there was one per category, but there were three different categories. Right. Compared to the eight or nine it's now. We, back then, we had men bodybuilding, yeah. women bodybuilding. And my year right. was also Iris Kyle. She won her pro card that year. Who and went and on to win was, like
0: nine Olympia, 10 Olympia titles. Yeah.
1: And then there was fitness. There was only three categories.
0: Yeah. Crazy! Now they give three, two, two pro cards per weight division. <laughs> you know, it's so. almost like
1: two hundred pro cards in one show.
0: Yeah, yeah. Back then it was like there was one guy that would turn pro. That was it.
1: That was that's it. it. There was one at the the USA's, and then there was a couple at the uh, the nationals each class winner. Yep, and, and, that and that's was, it. And that's, that's why it. you didn't have to run back after you win the show. You don't have to run back and change your status on Instagram as IFBB pro John Doe. You know what I'm saying? Back yep. then, if you win the USA, the whole world would know you turned turn pro. Right. You know, that's the difference between back then and today, because today it's really sad because, I mean, you go you go somewhere and everybody's a pro. And then when you look at them, I was like, pro where, how, you know? And then there's this, you know, man physique and, and man classic physique and you know. A lot you crack
0: me up, man. You literally said, "Where and how did you turn pro?"
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know me. I'm pretty much keeping real, especially when you know, at my show. I you know, we we a show when you have a show, we promote a show. Usually, you know, pros usually get in free. But nowadays, it's just too, no, this too many pros. I don't there's more it.
0: pros than there is audience members. So it's like... Now,
1: now I choose my pros the way if I don't know you, that means there's
0: enough. Right. Right. <laughs> the, other, the other thing is, you know, I, pr- I, I promoted shows for a long time, right? The other thing that I would also say is if you guys are out there as a trainer, and I'm only using this as a segue, and you want to get a free ticket or you want to turn around and get a little bit of a love from the promoter get with the promoter ahead of time say hey these are the people I have in your show these are how many people I have and I want to turn around and I want a free ticket or I want to turn around and get a backstage pass or whatever it is that they're asking for and get with the promoter ahead of time not the day of the show where the promoter's head's about to explode and they turn it especially if they don't know you you know so and and again unless you're a top five Olympia guy or somebody that like you know personally you're going to be like I don't know you and you're going to say I got seven people in the show. Well, you should have got with me sooner. So if you are one of those, as a person who's promoted shows in the past and someone who currently promotes shows as Dennis James, you need to work with the promoter ahead of time and let them know. So that way, if they need to make special arrangements for tickets or seating where guys like Tamer will have special things that he does for, um, for trainers... He does that depending on who's bringing what to the show get with these people earlier So that's just a little, you know note if you're a trainer out there Especially if you're trying to build your name up get with the promoters introduce yourself Make sure you guys are communicating with the people that are putting the shows on way ahead of time Don't come up the day of the show and say can I get a free ticket? Can I get in free because I'm a pro or I got seven people in the show? I mean again do that way ahead of time. Don't do that last minute
1: Exactly (laughs)
0: so let's talk okay so i interrupted you let's talk about your career Will you turn pro were you doing it yourself you said or did you actually have one of the guys helping you
1: i turned pro on my own
0: you turned pro on your own yeah and then when did you start getting some coaching and whatnot because i know there was a time where you and milos were really close right
1: that's 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 had that happened in 2000 so i turned pro in 98 and then my first pro show I did on my own was the Night of Champions back in 99. And I remember, because that was my first pro show, and I remember getting a call from Wayne DeMille back then. It was like three, four weeks out from the Night of Champions. He calls me. I was in Germany. And he goes and he says, um, listen, just so you know, we do diuretic tests, so no diuretics. Of course, I'm, as, a, as a rookie, you know, a pro debut, I believe everything he said. You know, so I came to New York, you know, uh, the show was Saturday. I flew in on Thursday, long flight from Germany. And of course I was holding water like, like nobody else, you know, but what I didn't know is that nobody cared. Everybody was, 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 was all diuretic out. I was the only one probably on that stage that didn't use any diuretics, you know, uh, and uh, um, the place 14 got tied with Tom Prince. And that was your, that was your pro debut. It was my pro debut. I was so I was so I was so down after that. I remember because um um Peter McGuff, he uh, you know, he arranged for me a photo shoot to fly to California. That was done before I came to New York. And I was so I was so pissed off. I was so down, he looked at me, he's like, You don't feel like doing it. And I said, No, I don't. And I said, uh and Peter, he said, No, we'll do it some other time. He didn't really even push me, you know. I so said, Thank God, you know, rest in peace. Peter McGuff, he was a man that basically followed me throughout my career, helped me with the reader contract that I signed in 99 and held on until 2014.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, um, yeah. And after that, I knew, listen, I got, I got some work to do, you know, and I remember, and they, uh, I don't know, have you been backstage at the Beacon theater back then?
0: God, it's been so long. I think at least several, once or twice. There were
1: several smaller dressing rooms backstage. Yes, I remember. I remember taking my clothes off. I mean, I had the shape. Everything was there. It was just I was in the condition that I needed to be in. But then Milos said, bro, he talked to me. He's like, hey, man, who are you? Blah, blah, blah. He looked at me and said, you have such a great physique, man. I, 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 I wish I could someone help you, you know? And I never had any help. I didn't know I'm, all the stuff that was really going on. I had no idea. So I was doing the stuff that I've picked up, you know, and, and, and I remember when I was breaking down what I was doing, you know, he's like, yeah, man, that's like female cycles. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that sounds like Milos too. That's exactly how Milos taught Yeah, talks.
1: he told me that. And I remember, he said, yeah, and I remember I went back to Thailand from there. I didn't even go back to Germany. I flew right back to Thailand. And then he sent me a fax, like fucking 20 pages. You know, but it was, I've learned things that I didn't even know exist. Right. You know, I was literally on that stage. I turned pro literally with no idea what's really going on, you know, just from what you hear from a couple of athletes that I know in Germany. But that was literally, like I said, it was so what was, what was on those 20 pages? Oh, all kinds of stuff. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to break it down. You know, like, you know, you know, meals is protocol that he likes to do, you know, I didn't even, I didn't even understand it, reading it. It was just too much for me to to to, to even even comprehend. <laughs> so, so, you know, so yeah, but that's when I started working with Minos. 2001. one, two thousand. Wait wait a minute, 2000. So 99, I met him. Mm-hmm. So we started working together from 2000 season where I um, placed, I, I went right back to the Ironman. Remember early the year, like a week before the Arnold Classic yes I did not have an invite for the Arnold Classic but I went to the Ironman and they, Peter McGuff told me if I place top six at the Ironman oh, I will Iron Man. I will get an invite yep and I played seventh but somebody ahead of me and I think somebody was disqualified but uh, somewhat di- I don't even know it was I don't know who it was somehow somebody was disqualified for whatever reason I don't remember but anyway so Peter saw what I looked like and he put a good word in for me, him and, uh, and Jim, for whatever reason, they didn't really, they, you know, Peter knew who I was, Jim didn't at that time. And there's somewhat, I didn't get the invite until Wednesday.
0: Of the show. And the show's usually a Friday or Saturday. Saturday. Saturday so show. I
1: got, I got, so I was, I had the, the cheesecakes in the fridge where I was staying in California. And I'm like, I was still hoping, I was hoping, you know, and, after Tuesday, I was like, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna buy that stuff and then tonight I'm gonna just go ahead and eat it. And then I was like, you know, Wednesday morning, I said I didn't eat it. Wednesday morning I got a call. I said, listen, you got the invite. Get the ticket to Columbus, you know, you're gonna get reimbursed.
0: So, so did you already eat t- did you already eat a bunch of garbage and no, we already- I did not at all. You stayed on the program from the Ironman.
1: Yeah, that's that's the German in me. See, we still yeah.
0: Yeah, not, you know, we like book, this so by the book.
1: I bought a ticket to uh Ohio, Columbus and I remember, that was, you know, listen keep in mind, I did the United Champions and, and the guy that won that was a, a, a Paul DeLette so all the people that I looked up in the magazines like Flex Wheeler Chris, Kevin LeVron, the guy who made me start bodybuilding Kevin and, and Lee Haney, those are the guys I'm going against now on the Arnold I get an invite, right. I come there, I don't know anybody and I get there and I placed fourth.
0: New Blood placing top five.
1: I placed fourth right behind. Flex and Ke- Chris Premier got second. Kevin and Ron got third. And I placed fourth right next. Beating beating Dexter and whoever else was in the show. Qualified for the Olympia, top five. Right. So 2000 was my first Olympia because of the Arnold Classic.
0: So now, at that point, did you jump right into the olympia from there or did you do any more shows
1: Jumped right into the olympia of course because i'm thailand keep in mind I don't, I don't i don't have i don't fly back so no. tell me
0: tell me about thailand because i know the thailand so you're originally it, um kind of were you born in germany yeah so you're and, and is it because your family was in the military or, or my dad
1: that? my dad was in the service station in germany yes yes right ramstein no Frankfurt, heidelberg which is uh, was back then was the
0: headquarters Okay. And so you basically grew up as kind of like a you know, military. No, you know, no, you know, we lived German. off
1: base. Okay. We lived off base. And I grew up basically going to German school, you know.
0: And hence the fact that you're fluent in German as well as English. Yeah. Okay. German is my
1: first language. Okay. You speak German at, at the house still. Me and my dad to this
0: day, we speak German. Nice. Nice. And so do you, do you speak Thai?
1: Yeah, but only from staying there 15 years. You know, I'm not fluent in Thai, but from what I've learned, what I picked up in 15 years.
0: Yeah, I'm sure there's some keywords like how much and where's <laughs> the bathroom. You know, all the all that You know, when you're a tourist in Mexico, no, no, no.
1: Let me say, I get around. I, I speak it <laughs> enough to get around.
0: <laughs> so, so what made you? Because I remember, like. You know, as I was coming up coaching, because I I, I coached Melvin in the early 2000s. And the reason why I coached Melvin in the early 2000s was because of Ronnie, because I was really tight with Ronnie and Ronnie wanted me to help him and said, hey, man, Melvin needs help. And I started working with Melvin Anthony. And so, and- that's, you know, as, as I that's I was always coming up, and then I trained, obviously, Quincy Taylor when he won the USA in 2001. Idris Wardell won USA in 2002. And then I worked with, you know, Chris Cook in 2003, and he won his class there, and Mike Dragna, who won who won his pro card. So I kind of started building up around then my clientele, and you were starting to really grow. And I remember you all of a sudden went from being in Germany to Thailand. What made you go to Thailand and, and no. what was that all about? I was already in Thailand when I went to the U.S.A. I lived there already. Okay, so what made you move there from Germany? Okay, so
1: oh, it's a long story. Well, uh, nineteen. I mean, I, I went. I went to German school, as I said, and one of my friends in the class was his dad owned a hotel up there in Thailand, you know. And in, in summer, summer school when summer was, when the school was out, they went to Thailand for like six weeks every year, and they wanted me to come over. I was like. I didn't know the difference between Thailand and Vietnam. I thought it was all China. Uh-huh. I thought they all looked the same. I thought it's all Chinese. So I, you mean, know, I never really had an interest in going. And then one day, in two in nineteen ninety, January nineteen ninety, me and I told my other boy, I said, "Listen, let's just go there for two weeks and see what it's like." So we bought a ticket back then with Philippine Airlines, since they're no longer even out there. We bought a ticket for two weeks this guy sent someone to the airport to pick us up, didn't speak a word of English or German, and we're sitting in the car with a guy that, that looked like he's, is like a crackhead almost, and he drove us in sandy roads for five hours like this. We didn't know. I was like, I don't know what the hell's going on, man. So, you know, there was no cell phones back then. There was nothing. So we literally had to trust this guy for five hours going out into nowhere, and all of a sudden, we're in a place where there was nice hotels and beach and so I saw my friend, you know, I said, listen, I need to change some money. I got, I got Deutschmarks. I said, I need to get some baht. That's their, their currency. So he sent someone down to drive me to the money exchange. And that's kind of like in the walking street. So I get out the car and then there's a little ex- money exchange booth. And right across the street, literally, there was like a bar. It was like a huge bar. And there was like a hundred girls sitting at the bar. No dudes, just girls. So I I get out the car, and as soon as as I get out the car, this girl's like, hey, handsome man, sexy man, and all that. And then I looked in the car to my boy, and I said, I don't know about you, but I'm the shit here. (laughs) I got 100 (laughs) girls screaming at me. I didn't know that this was normal. This is, you know, they look at you as a choice choice, you know, we'll take the choice for money. So I changed some money, and I went right across the street.
0: (laughs) So were these like, 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 prostitutes or were they just people yeah, because of course
1: you yeah. oh, know okay. like you know not, not professional professional but yeah of course
0: semi-professional prostitutes
1: <laughs> yeah they're like they, they're like amateurs for tips <laughs> <laughs> so i went over there and they had this stupid game what's that game called where you got yellow and and, and the red chips and you got to get four in a row is it called four in a row
0: something like that yeah connect four
1: so yeah, so I play this game with him, and I lose every damn game. This girl's had me beaten. Every time you lose, you got to pay a lady drink. So they got me for my money right there, the first day. But I you know I kind of, you know, I was like, listen, "You listen, know, we hung out there for two weeks. We got to see the best parts and the best areas. Kind of liked it, you know, and ended up staying." So who were you with at that time? A friend of mine who had to go back after two weeks. I told him I'm staying. <laughs> <laughs> you just I dropped stayed. him off the airport and just said. Yeah, man. I didn't even know. I didn't even drop them off. I had a car taken. I said, I'm staying. I'm not going anywhere. I literally went there for two weeks and came back 15 years later.
0: Well, let me ask you this. So, did, was there a gym? Was there food? I mean, you know. I wasn't even all- training
1: in 1990. I
0: haven't even started training. Okay. So, you were there way early then, way before well, I started commercial. training in
1: 1992.
0: And when you started training, was that in Thailand? Is that where you started? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. In a little one-unit place gym with uh, you know, a few machines and a couple of free weights that's it
0: so i know that when i was coming up the magazines were a big influence for me right it was like flex muscle and fitness and those those. is that where you were getting a lot of your information too because this was kind of before the internet was big
1: not so much information but just pictures you know i was looking at pictures and we got some you know when i started training you know back in 92 so and before they had you know germany they had like the sport review basically it's like you know almost a copy of the flex magazine just translated. You know so because the, the flex magazines were really fucking expensive,
0: right? Right by the time they imported them and everything like that, they're yeah, really yeah, like over ten dollars at
1: the time, fourteen dollars, sixteen dollars. Yeah.
0: yeah, there was a lot of money for those, and that was back when here on the shelf they used to be three dollars, you know, here on the shelf back then, so yeah. it was a lot of money to ship them and everything else. Um, I know that I spoke, I personally love to see different workouts, different people training, you know, who'd win shows because when. Back in the 90s, a lot of people don't realize when we were coming up in regards to the sport and being fans or, you know, people that competed like yourself, and I was I was competing in the natural shows, the big thing that was very big for me was I would have to call Golds to find out who won the Olympia. Like I'd have to call Golds Venice or wait a month to, you know, for the magazine to come out, which was really 6 weeks to figure out who won in the magazine. And then, or I would literally call and then they would be like, call back tomorrow, call back in six hours, you know, they're prejudging is now or whatever. And I'm just sitting there blowing up, you know, the front desk at Gold's Venice to find out who won (laughs) because that that was literally, you know, there was no, it wasn't televised. There was no internet. There's no social media. That's how we used to have to figure out, like, you know, if you're a fan of bodybuilding, who's going to win the Olympia.
1: Yeah. You'll
0: find a way to get the results. Yeah. Absolutely. So now when you fast forward... And then you started working a little bit with Milos. How was that experience? And, and you're saying that you would know your own body. Is that what you're referring to? Like some of the things that you guys were going through together on that end? Or uh, No. Re- what, I,
1: what, I, what, what I was referring to is like now I'm starting to do things more, um, you know, on a different level, you know? Okay. I mean, I was, you know, like I said, my first diet, when I was getting ready for the first novel, I asked a guy from Italy, I said, man, how do I diet for the show? You know, what do I eat? You know, I didn't know. He said, you know, he said turkey, pasta, and pineapple. So I was eating turkey, pasta, and pineapple all I could all day. Wow. And that was it. it was no, there was no, there's nothing else. That was it. You know, and I was eating a lot. So I was growing while I was getting leaner.
0: Not you even knowing what I off. was doing. You were just burning it off.
1: Yeah, yeah. and 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 when I, I remember when I turned, when I did, The Nationals. Well, listen, I did Naba first, you know, because that was, you know, because I told this story so many times. People probably already tired of me saying it. But when I was after one year of training or not even a year in Thailand, you know, I'm at the beach every day. And this guy approached me and goes, hey, man, what show are you getting ready for? I said, I'm not getting ready for this show. I said, I'm getting getting ready for the go-go bars tonight you know so, that, so how that, big
0: were you then were you like a men's physique guy size or were you uh, actually like
1: i was i would say i was probably two twenty five, two two twenty five 225 ish
0: off season what? yeah because you're about what five what ten five
1: nine no five five nine on five
0: on a good day on a good day when you're standing up straight and have your vitamins <laughs>
1: So, you know, and this guy was, uh, he was connected to the NABA presidents, you know, the world president of the NABA association. So he's, he was from Germany, the world president. He said, listen, you know, because I told him, I said, I'm not, I'm not doing shows. He said, listen, you should meet this guy, you know, he might be able to. So I said, next time I'm in Germany, I, 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 I'll, I'll connect with you. And when I was in Germany, a couple of months later, I did, I did give him a call and he said, come on over. So I went over his house. That was probably around. 230, 235. I'm starting to get bigger, but I'm not taking it serious, serious. Right. And uh, the guy comes in with the video, VHS, VHS tape. He puts the tape in, and then I, or the tape was the 1992 Naba universe. And Mustafa Muhammad, do you remember Mustafa Muhammad? He won, he won the, all the universe overall. So the guy asked me, the world president, could you, be able, could, you, could you deal with this guy? Or you, could you? I said, hell yeah. I thought he was playing around. I was just messing with him. So he says, I'm going to invite you for um, the United Champions. This is a German qualifier for the NAWA, the, the national team to qualify for the universe, right? So I said, well, what, what time do you want me to be there? He said, you know, we'll have a show then and then. And then he left after I told the guy he was joking, right? He said, no, he was serious. It's like, damn, if it's serious, I said, I better get back to the gym. Still not knowing what the hell I'm doing. Now I'm asking guys, I go back to time and I ask this guy, how do I diet? He says, turkey, pasta, pineapple. Anyways, I get, I'll basically get ready for this national team qualifier. They call it the United Champions in Germany. I went there, basically, I'm not being judged. It just, he just wanted to see if I was okay, you know, for him to invite me to come to the universe. He, and keep in mind, I'm a U.S. citizen. I'm not German. I have no German passport or nothing, and this is for the German team. But I was so good that he paid for my flight, paid for my hotel, and basically got me into the show with the universe, 1993. I keep in mind, I started training in 92. Wow. 93, I'm in England, Birmingham. I'm on stage... Representing the United States, they came with a team from, from, from the US. Bob Gruskin was, the, was, the, was their president of the NABA. Mm-hmm. I have never met any of these guys. So when we did, when, we, they, when there was a ceremony, I was involved with people I'd never seen before. I was the only guy that, that, that placed in the top five of wow. all the athletes that competed in all the categories. That was my first show. I got fourth. Wow. At the, at the universe. So by I then you were
0: hooked. hooked, you're hooked at that point, right? Like now when you I said, were... listen, I
1: think I can do this. Right. So I, I literally trained for one year. I went back to second the next year and I got second. So I, fuck it. Let's go for one more year. I went back in 95 and won the universe. So in 96, they had, there's a pro universe. So they have a pro for pro division. So I prepared for the pro universe. And when you look at the, videos out on YouTube, when you see my routine, when I was dancing, when I was bald, that was the pro universe. Got it. And I got second to uh, this guy. You remember the guy from England? Did they call him the dinosaur? What was his name? That's what I'm asking you. Is
0: that, is that the guy? Is that the guy? Sean, that owned- Sean, Sean something. He's the guy that owned, that owned the gym. Is that the guy that, owned, that opened I the don't gym? know, but
1: that's the okay. guy whose who's triceps exploded on stage. Okay. Right in front of me, Chris. Sean, Sean, Sean Davis. No, not Sean. From England.
0: Yeah, I, I remember. I remember like a, a... huge
1: triceps. But yes. shut up. totally shut up. Anyway, so and that was 96. So but there was nothing else in Nava. So I said, listen, how do I can get how do I get to the IFBB? So there's only two ways as, an, as a US citizen living in Germany or in Thailand, either the world championships or I go to the US and do any of their pro qualifiers there, which are only two back then. The USA's and the nationals. Right. So I bought myself a flight to uh, Los Angeles. I remember 97. I had met Gary Strideham already because he was in Thailand. So I had him. I was, I was close with him. So he told me, you got to get in contact with uh, John Lindsay. So 1997, I fly. And that was early, like March, 97. I fly to LA. All I knew was Los Angeles, uh, Marina Pacific, Firehouse Gold Ship. That was the four things from the magazines. That's right. So I took a taxi from the uh, LAX to Marina Pacific, checked in the hotel. You know, I was by myself. I asked the guy in the reception, where's Gold's Gym? He said, ah, only like three blocks. And like fucking three blocks, like, the US blocks is fucking crazy. So I was walking there forever. So I got to Gold's and um, I remember the first, the first person I saw was Paul DeLegbaugh walking past me. I was like, oh fuck, he was, <laughs> he was Gosh, huge. Man. Bro, keep in mind, I'm by myself, you know. I'm walking into, like, I'm walking in this place, and I know that's where everybody trains. So I go in there, I I, I buy a, a, I don't know, what is it, weekly membership or I don't remember exactly. It's 97, 97. So I go in and do my little training, you know.
0: So Rico McClinton. I was going to say Rico, that's back when Rico and Flex and all them, because I used to train them. Rico is the
1: one that approached me and asked me, hey, man, who, who are you? Yep. What did you do? Cause you know he saw there was something there. Yep. And I said, I, I said who I am, and I said, you know, yeah, I competed in the NABA. He said, listen, when you walk in here, it's IFPB, so I don't even mention it. So I didn't. So and I remember I got the phone number from John Lindsay, and I called John Lindsay on the phone. Never, never met him before. I said, my name is so and so. I I'm, I'm, I want to buy a NPC card. He said, all right, where do you want me to send it to? And I gave him, I said, Thailand. And I remember his words. What the fuck are you doing in Thailand?
0: <laughs> That's exactly how John sounds to you. He sounds exactly. Uh, and, and,
1: and, and so I arranged my NPC card for $40 back then. Mm-hmm. And then I uh, I looked at what show can I do to qualify for a national and for a pro qualifier. So there was the, the Border States Classics. That was John Lindsay's show in yep. San Diego. Yep. So, I did that show in October 97, which means I went back to Thailand, trained, came back just for that show. And uh, since this is my first IFBB show, I signed up for novice. I didn't know, know so why. Did actually, work.
0: that would have been NPC, but yeah. It was NPC. Yeah, we said IFBB, but yeah. So, that was your first. Oh, yeah, team. yeah,
1: but but for, for us, for yeah. us, the NPC is IFBB.
0: Correct. Yeah. So, so it's the NPC. So- for the listeners, that show is still around. It's been around for a very, very long time. John Lindsay. So we went, um, I went to, uh,
1: I didn't even know how to get to uh, San Diego because I didn't have any credit cards. I had only cash. I wouldn't get a rental car with cash. So there's one guy the gym. he told me, he said, Hey, I have a friend who has a rental company. He'll take that cash and a little deposit. And I said, can you come with me? Cause I don't know where it is. There was no GPS back.
0: There was a map.
1: I don't know how to get to San Diego. So he said, all right, if you pay for my food and my hotel, I'm coming. <laughs> I paid yeah. it for everything. So we drove up there. I, sat, I, I was signed up. And I remember we get in, athletes meeting. He said, open men over here, out and novice over there. I go over there with the novice. I take my clothes off to check the weight. And then as soon as I took my shirt and my pants off, they said, no, 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 no. You over
0: there. <laughs> go to the open. You don't belong in novice.
1: And then uh, I did the open the next day. And uh, won the overall, you know, and uh, that was, but what I didn't know is that that would be the qualifier for the following year. Because it was two weeks before, two or three weeks before the Nationals. But since I flew in from Thailand, they made it happen. They said, let, let them go to the Nationals. 1997, Dallas. Hotels, all event stuff was booked out. I had to find a hotel in Dallas. Never. I traveled by myself. And I uh, placed fourth in my first nationals. I remember Tom Prince won, Oval Burke got second, Garrett Downing got third, and I got fourth. Wow! That was my first national show. So in my head, I'm saying, okay, now I'm going to go back home, and I'm going to prepare another year, and I'm going to come back just like I did for the Uh for the for the universe. Mm-hmm. And I remember Lonnie Tippa approached me. After, that was after the show. He comes and said, "Hey man, where are you from? Hey man, you should you should I man, you 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 look like there's pro all over you." And I said, yeah, man, I'm going to go back to Thailand and I'm going to prepare a whole year. And I come back next year. He said, why wait till next year? Go to the USA's in, in July. I know from the magazine, the USA is a West Coast show. I said, yeah, but they have their favorites. And, you know, I, I think there's a better chance of doing it here. He said, why would you do that? And I said, you know what? Fuck it. Let me go to the, to the USA. So I went back to Thailand in November. Came back. I weigh in at 216 at the Nationals. I weigh in at 226 in the border states before. So me not knowing what I'm doing, just kept dieting and dieting and training and posing and not posing and cardio. I kept losing weight. So I was 216. So I was, if I would have had my fullness, I would have probably placed higher and probably gave, um, what's his name, um, a run for his, his title. But anyways, so I came back for the USAs seven or eight months later and weigh in at 232. And that was the first year they introduced the super heavies, And I remember, because I knew Melvin only from from, from magazine, and Melvin weighed in at 228. Mm-hmm. And I remember he was working with Chad, because mm-hmm. Chad was there with him. And I remember I, I didn't mean anything bad. I just wanted to help him. I, didn't, I wasn't even thinking that what I'm saying sounds like I'm going to beat you. I told him, I said, hey, man, try to make weight, man, go down to heavyweight. And they thought, nah, we're going to get it. We're going to do it. We're going to get it. We're going to do it. Because he didn't know me. Right. Come to find out that I beat him and won the overall. There you go. And got my pro cards, you know? And that, that
0: was him. Well, you were tight with Melvin for a while, you know?
1: We were tight for many, 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 many years. Yeah. 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 yeah I
0: definitely, I got to get Melvin on here because, you know, when I started working with him and then I was coaching him and then I was also managing him, helping him with his contracts. And that's when he was like... We got some good stories of him running from the police and uh hiding hiding in trash cans and up in trees and him calling me trying to get away from b as old as x down in uh venice yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. oh yeah i got yeah i, I, I have got it. some stories with melvin i have man. like four documentaries
1: and all of them could be at least two hours
0: melvin man he tell and he tells the best stories he tells the best stories but well yeah that's the
1: thing he'll he'll take a story and he'll manage it to make that story to something that is 10 times more than it really was and that's just who he is and that's why i was never i'm never mad at him for being who he is because you know he'll take this thing and he'll make that thing so big you know and then i you got to sit there and like okay it wasn't really quite like that but you know what you made it sound good you know Melvin. You know I know Melvin really well. Once he get really? his role going, you can't stop him. Once he gets 100%. going, it's over.
0: A hundred percent. So, so now you fast forward. So let's talk about you turn pro. You you signed with Weeder. You move forward. Where do you feel you made the biggest gains physically? Like when did you get make those big jumps where you felt
1: I was. I was constantly making the same jumps every year because I, I realized how 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 close I am to my goal. My goal was to be on the Olympia stage.
0: But what is it? What do you think it was? Was it a nutrition thing? Was it a training thing? Was it a supplement thing? What was it do you feel?
1: It was definitely wasn't nutritional supplements because that was not available in Thailand. I did not use any protein powder amino acids, or whatsoever okay. until I left Thailand. Okay. So it, I guess it was amount of food that i eat i ate so much food it was ridiculous and that for me to get big was so easy because
0: i was always hungry i could so let's talk a little bit about that because that's what my followers want to hear they want to hear because they would love to hear at your weight what was your off season at that point um when what year like let's just say like after you turned pro what was your weight and it, what did you get up I don't, to from I don't when really you turned pro exactly how much
1: I don't remember exactly how much I was after I turned pro, but I can tell you that my first pro show I was probably uh, at, the, at the at the Ironman at the at the New York Pro I was probably uh, I would say less than two
0: forty. Okay, so you you turned pro in the low two thirties, right? And then, and then let's say you put on about another five to 10 pounds for your pro debut. And then when you started going into that, what was your, tell me what your diet looked like, like how many meals, what were you eating? What were the ounces? What were you doing that helped just fuel that body to be able to grow?
1: Well, I was eating, I was eating a lot. I was eating anywhere from six to eight meals on an average.
0: Did you, was that easy for you? Because a too, lot easy, of, too
1: easy. I was still
0: hungry. Okay. So were you always had a huge appetite? Always. Yeah. And you didn't, there was no peptides then. There's no of uh, these no. things where people doing all the shit that they do now, which we're going to talk about too, because it, uh, it, it's like these people all think that they got to go do a bunch of these drugs to turn around and get their appetite going. It's really about training hard and making sure that your body gets stoked. Your metabolism gets stoked. And I have you always had a really good um, appetite or was it something because genetically always, you're blessed with that?
1: Always. I can eat always. And I can eat. I, I literally, I give you an example of when my phases where I was at my biggest, I would eat 12 to 14 ounces of meat. Is that cooked or uncooked? That's, un, that's uncooked. Okay. Okay. And I would have uh, four cups of rice. And when I'm done with this, I would add another cup and a half of rice just because I was still hungry. And that's for one meal. That's one meal. Right. And you're eating that six to eight times a day. Six to eight times. And there was times when I ate even 10 times.
0: So for those readers, and I'm going to say those those readers, I'm so used to the magazines for all of those people that are following us here on, um, on, but whether you're watching this on YouTube or whether you're listening to it on the download for the podcast, you got to remember for every cup of rice, it's 40 to 50 grams of carbs cooked. You're having four of those in one meal. That's 160 to 200 grams of carbs in one meal. And you're just having that six to eight times a day.
1: Yeah. Easy. Easy. Not a problem at all. You wouldn't find one grain of of, of rice on the plate.
0: Just inhaling it. Yeah. Yeah. So... Yeah. And that's, that was really the root of it. And then I know you also love to train and you trained hard. I mean, you're yes. not one of those guys that, that just put left anything on the table. Let's talk a little bit about that. What was your methodology on your training? Did you like to go volume or were you more of a weight guy? Um, what were what was your philosophy about when you were eating this much volume of food? Okay. For me, the
1: easiest was to go heavy to go really heavy but never jerk the way around. I was always controlling the weight, which means I can literally train with super heavy weight, but I wouldn't, you know, trying to do any force reps by 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 jerking and, and, and throwing the weight around. I would literally do it by the book. How many reps would you shoot for? I would shoot anywhere from eight to twelve. Eight to twelve so reps. I had phases. I had phases where I dropped it down to four to six. You know, but I my for me, the best rep range is eight to 12, which means if I warm up, I'll, the first set will probably be 12. I will increase the weight and the next one will be 10. I'll increase the weight again. I'll be doing eight. That's the way I train.
0: And doing about four or five exercises per body part?
1: Yeah, not even that much. I wasn't, I wasn't doing too many exercises. I always said like 12 sets per body part. You know, I, I, I did, we didn't have any machines. There was nothing fancy there. We All the mm-hmm. machines that we had in so the your time. volume
0: was really low, 12 sets per body part. So for chest, you were doing maybe three exercises, four sets each, or four exercises, three sets each.
1: Exactly. Exact. That's exactly what I always tell you, either three, four, or four,
0: three. And then how much weight would you go up to for your typical presses? Because, again, I know a lot of this information already. Well, I'll, give because- you, I'll
1: give you an example. I would... I would uh, do a, um, a set, a regular tr- a working set with 495 incline, mm-hmm. free. No, not in the machine, not in the Smith machine, free. I would go to uh, six plates and do three reps by myself. I would do a, two, four or five a week out from the show and just wrap it. I remember, I've, I'll never forget this. I asked Sean Ray one time to spot me. He, de- he, he didn't feel like spotting me. He's like, no, I'll wait. I was doing four or five like it's nothing.
0: Because he was worried that he was going to have to do a bent over row with your weight. That's what he was worried about. <laughs> and he didn't
1: use that kind of weight for bent over rows. No, but I was strong. I was always really strong. I was strong yeah. as a kid.
0: Yeah, I know how strong you were because I used to watch you train and um, used to see you whether, whenever you would do those shoots and you'd end up doing four plates easy. And yeah. you were always a really strong guy. I think, uh, like you said, you grew up like that. You're very similar to like Ronnie that way, where you just had a lot of really good natural strength and you weren't afraid to use it.
1: Yeah, probably. Because I was always strong, even as a soccer player. And, you know, it was, it was always... When there was, you know, when there was a little, you know, shuffling and up and was going on, I was throwing people around like, like it was nothing, you know, it felt easy, always did, always did. I remember my first ever squat, the first time I squatted, when I saw someone doing it, I didn't know exactly how to do it, I said, okay, he was doing, that, Um, what was it, three, three plates, what is it, 345
0: 315, three plates, 315. 315.
1: See, I know the kilos better than the pounds. And uh, <laughs> so I see him doing it and then he walks away. And then I, I saw what he was doing. I was like, okay. So my first time trying, I didn't know this was heavy. So I got under there and I fucking, and I squatted the 315 and, and then put it back in. That was my first squat. Wow.
0: 315, first time squatting.
1: No warm up, no nothing. <laughs> I didn't know.
0: <laughs> that was your warm up.
1: That was in Thailand. I remember that. That was in Thailand. I was following the same guys. Whatever they were doing, I went there and did the same. I didn't even know what it was for.
0: Wow. So going into that now, you're starting to put on all the size. You're eating like a freaking, you know, an animal. At that point, where do you feel were the main things that you learned as you were getting bigger that really help elevate you? Do you feel like it was just a slow, consistent thing, or did you feel like there were some different things that you used technique-wise, whether it was training, nutrition, or anything that helped give you like a bump up where you were able to kind of take you to the next level?
1: I think it was the, it was the, the training and the food. I don't think it had anything to do with, 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 with the stuff because at the end of the day, we all cooked with the same water. I just felt when the way I trained and the way I ate was just perfect for me was perfect for me it, it would just happen and I, you know and now I, it was all at a later age keep in mind i didn't turn pro till i was 32 because
0: i right. started training when i was 26 yeah so you definitely got a later start
1: so it was a late start so uh and, and for that i just felt like well in my late 30s that's when i felt the best
0: right because you started catching your legs at that point because you were seasoned at that point
1: yeah, 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 and I, like I said, the motivation that I got from winning the USA's and and qualifying for the Olympia and being able to call myself an Olympian, that took my my intensity level and my motivation over the top. I mean, you, there's no way you could stop me. Yeah. I was I was in the gym at four o'clock in the morning to do cardio. I went home to eat. I went back to the gym at nine, train. I went home, eat, sleep, eat, sleep, eat, sleep, and go back to the gym at six, train and do another session of cardio, go home and do the same next thing in the morning, every
0: day. Well, well, one thing that I also realized too, is do you think that it was also an advantage being in Thailand? Yeah,
1: because everything was a lot
0: cheaper. That's right, that's right. So, and that's what I was getting to, because that, that was one of the things that everybody would always ask me. They go, why do you think dance is there? I said, because everything is a lot cheaper, food's cheaper, he can have somebody come over and clean his clothes, do this, do that. Everything is so inexpensive. Yeah, but keep in mind, I
1: didn't go to Thailand because of uh, gear. Because I didn't even, I wasn't even training when I went to Thailand. So that has nothing to do with me going to Thailand. That was a different reason. So just while I was there, I realized, you know, how easy it is because you can get food everywhere. Like you know, you can get uh, chicken and rice for anywhere. And, you know, even though I ate mostly at home, but you can get chicken and rice for like a dollar everywhere.
0: You know, a dollar chicken and rice. So you get a bowl of rice and a bowl of chicken for a buck.
1: We used to go to the beach during the day and at the beach, they already knew that that little restaurant that they had down there. They already bought bags full of tuna, uh, tuna, tuna cans. And they know when we come, we just order tuna and rice. That was it.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, then I, and then I remember guys would start coming out and visiting you and come and train and they would come and yeah. hang out with you and then they would they'd come into that's the when cut, they all got the a reality
1: check. They yep. got a reality check when you go to a gym when the humidity is like 95% and, and the heat and there's no air conditioning.
0: <laughs> right. So you were like the Thailand ver, you know version of Metro Flex in Arlington. You were like the Thailand version.
1: Yeah, somewhat. Yeah, 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 somewhat. It was yeah. terrible hot. Those fans that are on the ceiling, all they did was blew hot air at you.
0: Well, I think that what it does is that's what builds character. I think those kinds of gyms in that because it just shows you know who 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 is trained at those types of gyms you know you see branch warren ronnie coleman johnny jackson you know yourself you have these you know people that are training in those really hardcore gyms and it's not about the uh, How expensive the equipment is, or oh man, I don't really like the leg press; it hurts my knees. Or you know, you get all these excuses that these people have. You know, I mean, those dumbbells are literally rusty; they're bent. They're like stuff that you see that's like in a junkyard somewhere. And people are trying. All
1: our barbells were bent because I had so much weight on that, and you could see they really bent. So we had to turn them around and use them from the other side, try to bend them back. Oh, we, we did all our even our plates. Yeah. I don't know if you ever seen a video from me in Thailand. The plates were this thin, but they're 45 pounds. But they, yeah. were, they were only like less than, you could, three plates is as thick as one plate over here. So they pressed, and, and their plates, they weren't all fucking equal. We, made, was, we had 20 kilos, 44 pounds and 55 pounds, but if you put it on the weight, it might be 57. This one might be 53. So, you know.
0: The quality control wasn't very good.
1: (laughs) The quality. So it was never 100%, but it was good enough. It was good enough.
0: Well, it's good enough to get you to do really, really well. When you started going against the big boys, the Ronnie Coleman's of the world and these guys, like, where were you in terms of your mentality when you started seeing these freaks? I mean, where did you... Who, who really impressed you the most when you were on stage?
1: Well, I mean, of course, um, we always go by who's winning the Olympia, you know, and Ronnie Coleman was the Olympia. And the first time I saw him was the first time I competed against him was in the 2000 Olympia, you know, and that's when I said to myself, like, damn, you got some work to do, you know, and now my goal is not to be the best that I can be. Now, my goal is to be as big as Ronnie, so I can compete with him. Right. Which is which? if I could take it back today, I would take that back and it would stick to my guns because I had good symmetry, you know, that I could have just worked on and just kept getting better and better and refined instead of trying to grow too big because it all came with the, <laughs> with a bill, you know. So at the end of the day, what I was really strongest is was the waste, you know, I kind of messed that up trying to get too big, you know. Today, I would tell the next person right away, don't. Follow anybody. Don't chase somebody that's bigger than you because it's only going to hurt you. You know, it's okay to get bigger, but if you, you. It's like now I tell people now, try not to chase Rami in size because you will not get that big. Right. If you would get that big, you would have been that big ten years ago. Right. You only trained twenty years. What do you think would happen in last It's just not happening now. So don't go away from your strength. But I tried, you know, I was, I was trying to get big. So what I was
0: that, was that something that you decided or was that basically I decided that you decided that that wasn't some, you're like coaching or, or that you're in, no, the no, no, no. that I was, was just, you just saying, I'm chasing this. I'm going go to go out the biggest guy.
1: Exactly. I, I, I did all my training, everything by myself. You know, right. I was, I was in Thailand. There was nobody there to tell me what to do. I wouldn't, I mean, I know how to train. I learned that myself. You know, and then uh, I li- literally just listened to some diets, you know, some diet um um advice and uh, and uh, and of course protocols but uh um training when it came to training, no, nah, I did my way of training because I loved the way I trained and I had fun in the gym, so I was well, who's gonna tell me, hey, you know you are training too heavy or what the fuck you know. <laughs>
0: So, were you sending in photos or were you, were you doing what Ronnie used to do? Were you sending photos to Chad? You know what, like that? you
1: know what, you know what I did? I sent photos out to the world, it's 2000. I am the one who started pre-contest pictures. There was nobody before me. I was the only one that was doing pre-contest pictures because I sit in Thailand, in 2000, getting ready for the Ironman. I'm like, how can I create and hype? Somehow I need to know these people need to know that I'm coming. So I was sending pictures back dial up, forty five minutes a picture. I was sending it out on the internet. You remember? Yeah. And everybody yeah, t- talking about these pictures. Yeah. So the, I was the first one. You know. Well, that's
0: how that's how everyone thought that you were going to win because they would see these pictures and they would be like, "There's no way this guy is not going to win." I mean, I would literally get people telling me, "Here, I'm going to forward you a link to Dennis James," and I would look at it and I was like, "Dude, this guy's going to win." He looks amazing. He looks crazy, you know. And you'd have these little stringers, right? That would, you know, that would just basically cover up your little nipples or whatever, right? <laughs> and you and you were just like this wide, yeah. you know, as wide as a house, wide as a house, chest sticking out like this. You can't, you can't even. You get so full that you're like your arms wouldn't. You couldn't even flex, right? I like couldn't. I-, I couldn't even pose. I know you couldn't even pose. You look silly you look retarded like like it was just like and 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 I'm just like this guy can't even pose he's so big right and then and then you you, you know and that that's belt was so cinched up right you just have that belt cinched up cuz you're just ready to go to war and you're just like boom and then I was that, just that's like that's what I was
1: doing I was and I was sending pictures of course I was sending pictures to uh, to Milo's back then yep but he basically just waited till I got to California and he picked me up at the airport you know and that's when he saw what I looked like You know, and I'm always four weeks out. I was ready to go, you know, and there was always something in the end that, you know.
0: What do you think that was, Dennis? What do you think you did? You know, you know, I call that girl, right? Huh? I call that the fuck up fairy. The fuck up fairy. Yeah.
1: I think Mm -hmm. it's probably over dieting or just being ready too early. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, you know, it's easy. It's easy to say you're being ready early and then just cruise. That's easier said than done. Because now you know how your body can fluctuate. You can look great tomorrow and the next day, ah, not so good. And that's fucking with your mind. Right. You know, and people, unless you have someone in your corner that understands what's happening right now and keeps your head in order, say, stop looking at yourself. (laughs) You know, you're going to mess up. Did
0: you not have that or did you just not? Did you not have that voice or did you just not listen to the voice that was around you?
1: No, I listen. Oh, I listen to the tea. I mean, you know, if you tell me do an hour cardio I'll do an hour and thirty minutes. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But that was probably the, that was probably the problem. I was probably too intense with a lot of things.
0: Yeah, you're doing a little. I a little just workout. wanted
1: to. Do, I just wanted to work more than I needed to, and you know, and sometimes you just don't. Need it's a
0: detriment when you do too much. It's a detriment. Yeah, you got to yeah. just just do enough. Yeah. And that's the thing yeah so so when you because when i would see you oh, and i remember um seeing the pictures and and it was just night and day and then whatever you guys would do do you feel that also part of it was also whatever you were doing the last 72 hours to dry out or do it or the carb up do you feel maybe that could have been it too
1: many times yeah yeah many times many times uh, you know and and a couple of times meals admitted that it was his mistake, you know, it happens, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, there's certain things that, you, you know, that I wouldn't do today with people because I, the risk of getting 5% better to 25% worse is too much, right. That's it's 50, too 20. high. It is, it is. You know, so I was like, there's no fucking way, you know. And, uh, and like I said, you know, I mean, I you, you get tired of, Hearing people saying, ah, oh, if you would to look like this, you know, when I did the photoshoot with Chris Lund, I, mean, I remember my first Olympia, 2000, I did a photoshoot with Chris Lund three weeks out. And Chris Lund said it on the tape in the Battle of the Olympia. I've shot everybody for so many years. If this guy's wouldn't make, if not in the top six, I don't know bodybuilding. And I got 11th out of 13.
0: Yeah. Something was wrong with your, with your peaking. Yeah. yeah. And, the,
1: and the first year where I somewhat delivered was when I, when I was walking with Chuck in 2003, which was a little different, but it was, it was similar. It was similar things. We just didn't do so many drastic things at the end, you know? Right. And again, I was, I was ready six weeks out. Mm-hmm. you know, but it was just, um, I was, I don't know. I was more relaxed too. I felt like I'm more relaxed. You know, I was in the States early. I was in the States, like two, two and a half, almost three months out. I was in, in, um, uh, what's it called? Not Marina Del Rey. Yeah. Marina Del Rey. I was in the, uh, at the, at the some apartment building right across the street from where Tom Lindsay lived. And I was just going to the gym Two, three times a day and back. That was it. I was by myself. I didn't have to talk to anybody. You know, I was, I was relaxed. So everything started happening. And it was pretty easy.
0: Yeah, I remember. What was your last pro show? My
1: last pro show? The, the, the Masters, 2012 Masters.
0: 2012 Masters.
1: I, really- I retired in 2010. And then I came back for the
0: Masters. Two years later. God, it just, it doesn't even feel that long to me. Because I remember, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, remember really- I remember, I think, what show was it? I think we did the New York Pro Against You when I was training Phil in his first year. in yes, 2006.
1: 2006,
0: yeah. Yep, yep, and I think it was you, and I believe Milos was in the show too, I believe. He was and in it, the show? I, I think so. I'm trying to remember who was in the show. I know you were there. God, I don't know when it was. if Philo, was it was
1: Darren Charles.
0: Darren for sure, yes. Darum because Darren had competed against him and took second. At Kai the, Green, uh, Yeah, Kai was there. Yeah. I um, didn't even know. make top six. You know you know who else was there? George Farah.
1: Possibly, George, yeah, I yeah, believe I mean,
0: it. Yeah, I think George Farah was competing in that show. Because um, he competed
1: two weeks later in, in, in Colorado too and beat me. <laughs> George did? Oh, he was the happiest man because he beat me. Yeah, and that was a, that was another show where we played a risky game. It was just like I, I don't know, almost felt like you know maybe something new. Maybe and that totally totally backfired. I mean that threw me back six weeks. Really, like the last night, you know. And then for whatever reason, I don't know, it water wouldn't even come out. Not not even come out. We, I was, I don't know, I, like like. <laughs> I don't even want to say what I had to do or and drink the night before. <laughs> like, what
0: would you do, man? I'm just... I
1: don't I, nah, I don't want to, I don't want to make nobody look bad.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and this was this was uh, when you were still working with Milos at the time or
1: That was that was again was... with Milos, yes.
0: Okay. Yeah. Well, I think at the end of the day, you've learned a lot. And now you're, feeling, I learned,
1: I learned from my mistakes.
0: Yeah. So I, you know what I call that? Learning what not to do.
1: Yes, exactly. That's exact. And you know what? If you funny that you say that, this is what I tell people when they come ask me, you know, if I can work with them. I said, first thing we got to figure out with you with the things we don't need to do. So I tell them every time, because trust me, I've done things where I know that was so not necessary. And right. time, you waste a lot of time. You know, you can save so much more time doing things, or don't do the things that you don't need to do. So exactly. yeah, but I don't regret anything to be honest. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I can look back at my career and I can say, you know what, I somewhat made a name for myself. Okay, I didn't win the Olympia, absolutely not, but I got I got into the top five. I got into the top six more than once. Yep.
0: yep. So yeah, I, I think you are definitely one of the most underrated guys that just it sounds to me like you just couldn't find your peak and i think that if you could have you probably could have won a couple of olympias you know at least at least
1: be more consistent that running my thing to be more consistent like you know like a dexter you know because i was beating dexter the first year the first three four years he couldn't beat me Dexter already thought it's over because i'm getting too big you know, and then mine's I went backwards, and he and he stayed consistent. He stayed in his game, and, and and you know, and when I look back, I said that's what I should have done. I should have just stuck to my guns and shouldn't just continued just getting better and working the condition and the quality because there wasn't as many years of training behind me. You know, it was all pretty fast. Like I said, I went on stage one year after training. I'm, I'm there on the universe stage with people training fifteen years of training and on their back. You know, so. It's all pretty fast, so. But like I said, I don't regret anything. I'm glad that I, uh, I I had the career that I had, and I enjoyed every minute of it. Trust me. No, you only... still to this still to this day, I enjoy every minute of still being involved in whatever I do. You know, that has something to do with the sport of bodybuilding.
0: You know, let's fast forward a little bit. I mean, the good thing is that you you've sat down and you said, "Hey, look, if I had to do it over again." I wouldn't chase the size, right? Because it blew out your symmetry. When did you realize that? At, is this more recent or actually did you realize it? No, I realized computing? it
1: as it happened. I realized that in 2006, 2005.
0: Did, were you trying to do something at that point to bring it back down or at that point were you just so thick into- I tried
1: trying- one time eh, for 2008. Yeah, I tried, you know, less food and, you know, and it kind of worked, but it just, you know, the peak was missed again, so- The shape was there somewhat, you know, I mean, but uh, yeah, (laughs) I I can look back and get mad at myself, but (laughs) it's not going to help.
0: But the good thing is, like we said, all of those things are all up here now. Yeah. You have those experiences in your head that can help with all the other people that you're helping as well. So, and one of the people um, that you were able to help was a country member of mine, Beitola. Abbaspur, and um, let's talk a little bit about Beitola because w- he's one of the people that I didn't get a chance to really meet and and connect with. I wish I would. Oh, so you never met him? No, no, I didn't oh. get to meet Beitola because it was you know we just weren't at the same shows. And then even when he did the Olympia, I'm I'm busy training my guys, so I never got a chance because I'm very proud of a country member being able to you know represent Iran, mm-hmm. but. Because of the fact that you know he ended up getting sick, and I used to, I was watching him compete, and I think you guys were on tour, and you had done John Rico show, John Rico show in Italy, and you guys had, you guys were doing that, and you had the show that he
1: won, the show that he
0: won. So let's talk a little bit about that because I want to talk because he had gone through and you guys were working together. I think you guys had connected through a mutual friend that was out there that I believe is in, in Germany, right? Yes. And, and they had contacted you. Cause again, I got a little bit of a backstory there and then you were helping him and he was competing and there was a couple of shows that were very questionable about that. And I believe um, at the time he was going up against who ended up beating him for that show. Flex Lewis. It was Flex Lewis. And I think Beethoven took second. Was it second at that show?
1: Yeah. 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 Anybody was there. It doesn't matter who it was. And then Flex knew it too. He had, he beat Flex Fair and Square. And that, it's not because Flex is not good. It's because Flex was off by a lot, not just a little bit. So Beethoven was spot on. That was the best. Yeah, it.
0: I wasn't at that show and I just saw pictures and Beethoven looked great, you know, and I didn't get to see the show in person because, and, you know, I always, I always like to not pass judgment when I'm not at a show. I like to try to do everything, but, but he did look great. told looked great at the show.
1: Chris Oceto was sitting in the audience, you know, and then others and they said, it's clear. It's not even close. So, and then uh, they give it to Flex and um, what's his name? Uh, the guy from Texas before. Then left and then started his own federation. What's his name? Thompson, Lee Thompson. Uh-huh. He was the head judge. Okay. And I have no shame in my game. I said, listen, man, how did you, how was that possible? Okay. You know what his immediate excuse was? Because he didn't know what to say. It was a tie. And if it's a tie, it always supposed to the tapped.
0: Oh. So that's what he said. But That's what he said. I, my, my whole thing is that, what, you know, he looked really good at that point. Was he already sick at that point? Or what was going no, on? No,
1: no, 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 no.
0: Okay. Because that's kind of where I was trying to lead with it. I know that there was controversial or whatever but, but what I was trying to go with is that was he already having issues with his physique at that point that it was going up and down or, or nothing, how, did, nothing. how did that whole illness? That thing? Was,
1: I, don't even know what's, I don't even know if that was the last show or not. Somewhat, I don't know why I believe the last show was the Olympia. So least had to be the following year. I'm not sure no more. Anyway, so after that You know, he went like every year he goes back, you know, cleans out, he stays away from the gym for months, you know. And he complained about pain at one point. I don't know if it was the following year, but months later. And he went to the hospital for some pain. And they told him, it's nothing. And they sent him back, you know. And then uh, I can only tell you what I know from the guy that's my connection because me and Beto never... We were not able to, to communicate because he didn't. Speak. You had, had to use it. a
0: translator. Yeah, you had to use a translator. Yeah.
1: So he had to, and it took forever until they really realized that it's vasculitis, millionaire. You know, that this is a disease that you know, and I guess it's because you know, maybe they, he doesn't have, he didn't pay the money or couldn't pay the money that big doctors. I don't know. I don't know what the situation is like over there. All I know is that they didn't really couldn't figure out what the problem is because they didn't pay attention or they didn't do the tests that they needed to do because supposedly they were expensive. And then once they found out, because he had to sell his car and had to sell a few things in order to pay. When I, fought, when I heard that, that's when I did the, uh, the GoFundMe. That's right. To help that's him. True. I remember I was on the phone. In Iran, I was on the phone with the doctor, and I told the doctor, I said, listen, doctor, please do whatever you can now. I have the money. It's on its way. And he told me on the phone, and he spoke very good English. He said, listen, right now it's not up to the money. It's up to God. was said, that's what I got from the doctor. And uh, sure enough, it, he deteriorated real fast all of a sudden. He was in the hospital for a long time. Yeah. You know, yeah. and then all of a sudden it went from being better, going better to going terribly wrong. And I found out later because I didn't really know vasculitis. I found out later that this is normally something you don't die from. This is something that you get treated and then it's OK. But I guess I remember when when they found out I had um, was a BBC or some news from Iran contact me to do a live a news through the news channel, and I did and when they found out that there's an American collecting money for an Iranian in the hospital, that's when the president sent his brother to the hospital and told the doctors that they will cover the cost. That was because they found out somehow that I was involved and i remember I remember you remember I wanted to go there and you told me you well, might want to." yeah yeah I, yeah,
0: I'm 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 sure. ah! yeah, because people were telling me the same thing to me because i wanted to go and i wanted to go for many years to go see where my parents grew up and everything else in iran and everyone told me hey look maybe wait a little bit until the political environment changes a little bit better then go out and so everyone told me the same thing they said hey maybe wait a little bit until things get a little bit better politically and then you can maybe eventually go out there but so did you get? Did they ever tell you what what caused it or any of this thing? There's no, there's no reason. There's nothing you can do to cause. It.
1: It's kind of like you pull the ass off. That's that's something that can happen out of for no reason. There's nothing you can do to uh, to develop vasculitis. So it has nothing to do with steroids. So that's total bullshit, people. Because a lot of people don't know. I still get hate messages today. You know, I sold him uh, bad medicine. I didn't sell him nothing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, but, you know, some hardcore fans. But, uh, you know, the people now finally realize that this is something that he's probably had for a long, long time. He just never knew it, you know, because it starts with pain. And sometimes you ignore pain, you know, it comes and goes. And I don't know how long because we can't ask him no more because he might have dragged this around for quite some time. But the problem is if the doctors would have diagnosed it earlier, they could have treated it. You know, yeah, it's just different, there's, there's different, vas- there's different um, variants of vasculitis. And the one he had, it's called vasculitis vegana. Vegana is the name of a person. And after that person, that's, that's the name that vasculitis disease. And that one is the one that will, it, it's an, it's an inflammation of the arteries and veins. And it kind of attacks your organs. After it goes through that, it attacks your organs. So it was severely painful. It had to be wow. so
0: painful. Yeah, I just saw his body deteriorate when I saw the pictures and the videos and it was the saddest thing ever. And the minute I heard about it, obviously, you know, I helped financially as well.
1: Yeah, thank you for that, because I remember that. I remember, And and this guy, I I wish you would have met him because he had his heart outside. It was on top of
0: his skin. Yeah, I've heard nothing but good things about him. Even though we
1: never were able to speak, you know, we sit at my table. I had to stay in my house we sit at the table, you know, and, you know, look at someone's eyes and you can hear what he's saying, even though there's a translator, but we still understand each other. He's just a good guy. Unbelievable. Good guy. No show about him. What everything was a hundred percent, hundred percent legit.
0: Well, one of the main reasons I worked with Hottie was because of him, because I didn't get a chance to actually meet him. I didn't get a chance to help a fellow countryman because I just, you know, we just never connected. And um, and then I know you worked with them. And then when the whole situation ended up happening and then Hadi's people reached out to me, one of the things is it reminded me of Beatola and I just wanted to be able to help a countryman from where my family is from, <clears throat> you know, the Iranian community and the athletes. I mean, you know how, how the Iranian community, how much they're fanatics when it comes to bodybuilding. They absolutely adore bodybuilding. And uh, it was, an, uh, you know, it was for me a second chance for me to be able to actually work with somebody from the country that my, my family, my heritage, everything that's from.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I always tell people, because people always ask me, you know, Hadi versus uh, Baitola, who would win? I said, listen, that's not comparison. They will never make any comparison. But I said, I always say one thing, Hadi is going to finish what Baitola started. He's going to finish it. He basically paved the way for Hardy to do exactly what Baitola's dream was. and That would be, you know, standing on the Olympia stage and fighting for the title. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. So that's why it's, it's good to see that, you know, that this is happening because, you know, I, I enjoy this. And I, and I like I told you all, all, uh, on, on, on my live the other day, I Hardy is in my eyes and probably in a lot of others, too, the biggest threat. To the title, he is more dangerous than any other guy in the lineup today. That is my honest opinion. I said this last year right after the show. I said, thank God this guy just got here two days ago or three days ago. Because if he would have came in in time, he would have been runner up right now at worst. You know, you think,
0: he, you think he could have pushed Ramy if we came in three weeks before, like we did in two thousand
1: nineteen. I, I, think he could have pushed him. You know, it, it would have been a, 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 a two man fight.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I don't know if they would just. You know, if it, I, I think, I think he would push him this year.
0: Yeah, I think I think they both have very specific strong points uh, that offset each other. And they're not the same size, you know, because, again, Rami, Big Rami is big. Hadi is very dangerous because of his conditioning. So it's one of those things where. Um, and
1: he's big, too. Don't get that twisted. No. People, yeah. for, people don't misunderstand. Hadi stands next to Rami. Hmm. Let's just let's just do the real life spread. Hmm. You don't see it as. How, how much does Hadi weigh? How much did he weigh last year? What would you say?
0: he was about 229 pounds 200 and so we're talking 70 20 i'm sorry i'm sorry 220 i have to go back and look at the notes because i'm getting the two years mixed up he was a little bit heavier but but we ended up dropping water because you remember he was holding a lot of water because he had just gotten off the plane from dubai so yeah so he was a bit he was like in the high 220s and then we dropped the water so i can't remember where we ended up but all right let's say let's say he was 225
1: let's give him 225 yeah that means he's 65 pounds less you turn them around and do a lat spread, you don't see the 65 pounds. Right. That's what I'm saying. He is, he is a shorter guy, but he's not too, too short, you know? What he, he carries is 220-whatever pounds, and he makes, because of his condition, and because of the separation and the striations that you don't see on others no more, he looks like he's 250.
0: Right. Well, th- th- that's exactly where his strong points are. when you start to get the detail that is really really reminiscent of the bodybuilders you used to compete against and you start being able to do that that's where his strong points are and I think that's where he really takes it to people on stage is that separation so he's bringing a different level of detail yeah
1: and and I see he's working man he's working he's The improvement that he's making, the condition that he's in right now—most of these guys don't bring that at the Olympics. That's what he's now. I mean, like that's what he was what two months ago. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I was like, you know what? He's not worried about getting much bigger, is he?
0: No, because we're doing basically the refining of the physique. Because if you start to blow out, as you know, because you went through this, you're going to start throwing off your proportions. And he's got
1: having problems with the yeah. Yeah,
0: exactly. Because right before we started working together, Hottie was getting a little bit of that. When he went and did San Marino, he was starting to get a little thick through the waist and all of that. And then when we went to Portugal, we sucked him down and that went away. Then we did Vancouver and then got even more detailed. And then we went into the Olympia in 2019 where he was in the top three, but it was all always about. Conditioning, building in more detail, and creating more separation because bodybuilding is an illusion. Mm, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I nobody, think it's nobody very, brings a scale to the nobody brings a scale and po- ha, there's no points for how much you weigh.
1: And nobody's going to ask you how much you bench either. That's right. You know, so it's going to be very interesting. I, I'm very excited for this year because you know some people forget. So people, they, they just keep forgetting, you know, they just talk about certain people. They they have no idea. And it's mostly, that you know, some of the younger guys that are coming in are qualified, they don't know what it's like standing next to a hobby. <laughs> they, yeah. they don't know yet.
0: Or even getting on the stage. I mean, the Olympia stage is a whole different animal. Yeah. It's like just being there and dealing and having to work on making sure that the people you're working with, you know, like when you get on there, the cortisol, the stress of doing a two day show none of these people have done a two-day show if you unless you've done the Olympia.
1: True, so true. So it's going to be, a, yeah, for some people, it's going to be a reality check. But, you know, it's it's the best thing in the world. For your first Olympia, you get to stand next to these guys and then you realize there's a big, huge difference between being backstage at a, at a, at a qualifier or being backstage at the Olympia. Because when you backstage at a qualifier, you'd be like, yeah, I can take him, I can take him, ah, you know? This is a different ball game. Now you're yeah. fucking with the
0: heavy hitters. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So speaking of the heaviest hitter right now, Big Rammy, how is he compared to last year?
1: He is, I mean, my, my honest opinion, yeah. and, and I'm speaking from pictures. Yeah. He's right now, or uh, he's already the last couple of weeks, he's better than he was last year, three weeks out. He's better. He's better. I think it's because of the motivation, that motivational kick that he got. Yep. And, and, you know, you don't have to tell him to do certain things, you know. Mm-hmm. He will just do them on his own, you know. Where you, you know and I, I'm waiting for him now to get here. When do you expect him to come? Uh, he was supposed to be here tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And now I think he said it's Thursday. He's just got this ticket. He hasn't sent me the ticket yet, but he's coming this week.
0: Okay. So, and I expect him not to one so time. about six weeks out. And, yeah. and what was he last year? How many weeks out did he come over and work with you Three. last year? Like Three. So, so he's going to have double the time he had last
1: double year. Double the time. And it's just time to get him into condition to pose. To pose, it doesn't matter how long, for what, you know, every damn mandatory pose, hold it as long as you possibly can and smile if you can. That's it. He, because, you know, you know, you know what that brings when you pose that develops fine detail in certain areas and and, and, and that you can't get from working out.
0: Yeah, 100 percent. 100 percent.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to see, you know, the competition this year. And um, I, 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 you know, I'm not the one that's going to say, oh, you know, he's going to be unbeatable because he proved to the world that he's beatable. He was beat seven years from guys that, you know, people say shouldn't beat him. But if he's not on, you know, he can get beat by six, seven, eight guys. Right. And, and we all know that. So it's not like, hey, we know he's the most consistent guy. So there's a little pressure on this side. Right. But uh, by seeing what he looks like right now, I'm very confident that he's definitely going to be he's going to be on the money.
0: Well, let me ask you this. Do you feel, so Big Ramy's one of those guys who I've known personally for many years now. And every time we're in Kuwait, we'll grab dinner, we hang out. Um, uh, He's just a really, really good dude. Um, But when it comes to the training aspect of it and the dieting aspect of it, do you feel that he's more strict now because of the pressure? Or do you think anything's changed? Because you have the luxury of knowing him around you know a version one rammy which you helped in his early stages then he kind of went over to the camel crew and he was no like, no he was with
1: them in the early stages too we we worked together with him
0: okay so you guys were working together with them and then they were doing the diets and everything else and then you were helping with with some of the other stuff or how's that sending, dynamic because i, I know you guys kind of i was sending
1: up. the protocols by email to the to, to that to that person and then that's how it got to him. He just never knew it was coming from me. Got it. Got it. So he never, he never knew until he saw an email program and he see all these emails. Got
0: it. And then now basically you've teamed up with Chad. So now. Yes. Situation. Chad, Chad is
1: his, Chad is his, is his, is his, is his um, coach. You know, Chad does his, diet. he has all that under control. I'm just here as a friend I'm not even call him his trainer because uh-huh. I don't see it that way. I'm as a friend to, mm-hmm. and that's that's why I had so much fun doing it last year because I promised him in 2013. I said you're going to be Mr. Olympia, and it was for me. It was, and, and it just didn't happen because it, it was still early 2013, 2014. Then he switched coaches, and it, you know that's the rest is history. Right? Never really. Got you know fulfilled his potential. Then he hooked up with Chad for 2019. Mm-hmm. They do the Arnold together. You know it didn't work out quite out quite well. And then uh, you know the the Olympia. And then uh, he came back. And you know he wanted to come back for a long time, but he felt like maybe I'm you know I hold grudges. I said no, man. We always we were always close. We were always still talking, but he never really had. Had it in him to say, listen, can I come to try and, and, right. and, you know, so I told him, I said, listen, if you want to be here early, come here. early." And, I'm, and, and Chad knew that, you know, and Rami last year was at a point where he's never been before. So he went, he had to go to that dark place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he died he all was-
0: the way through. I mean, he didn't qualify for the Olympia. He, he didn't. He would. Yeah. He didn't qualify. He he did the Arnold, didn't qualify. Then he went in and was supposed to do a qualifier. Ended up getting COVID, and then wasn't able to qualify there. Got a special invite, got the invite, and then he was able to do the Olympia, and then ends up working out for him and winning. But he ended up dieting the whole year. Yeah,
1: yeah. He was he was yeah. He stayed pretty lean
0: Mm -hmm.
1: the whole year. And uh, so so when he got here, you know we. He, somebody was around him that understands what it, what it's like to be in that in that situation because in, in, in Egypt, nobody knows when he's when he's dragging ass and when he's, you know, feel like giving up and stuff like that. They don't know. They feel bad. And they're like, hey, maybe you need to eat. You know, <laughs> I know they were calling chat and said, oh, he needs food because he's <laughs> dying. And then uh, when he got here, you know, he understood that, listen, there's certain things that you need to do. I'm just so glad that he did everything and it worked out because now he understands what it really takes to be Mr. Olympia. And we have conversations where he says, now, can you imagine what Phil had to go through all these years? Not to win it, but to come back and win it again and again and again. You know, now he knows this is people that don't win the Olympia. That, even if they play second, they have no idea. What kind of pressure comes with the title? Yep. Because now, not only do you gain fans because you are Mr. Olympia, you gain haters yep. that are fans of someone else that you beat, and, and therefore they can't stand your ass. <laughs> you know what I mean? And they want to see yeah. you fall. And that's why, you know, now the good thing is now he knows. And that's why I think his motivation is at his all-time high, because he knows he can win. Yeah. He, You know, he didn't believe you know, and and, and in Kuwait, I guess they didn't really, they didn't teach him that he could wait. They didn't tell him that. They just basically, I don't know what they do. It, it doesn't matter. Anyways, because he, he asked several times almost every other day, do you really believe it? You know, he's asking me if I really, I said, if I would believe it, you wouldn't be here. Right. You know?
0: So you think that mental aspect wasn't dialed in properly? Wasn't dialed in at
1: all. Got it. Because that he was... They 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 try to mentally control this guy, and fuck his brain to the point where they have control and do whatever they want to do. And the best thing that could have happened, and I know he won't say that, but the best thing that could happen is that he left and went back to his own country, where he can focus on himself without getting these messages. You know, don't do this and don't do that. Don't you know? You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. And yeah. I think that that's what pushed him over the edge. You know, and even though, you know, there's hatred coming from over there, he gets it. You know, he hears that stuff from everywhere. I told him, just block that shit out. Because at the end of the day, <laughs> you let the body do the talking. How much more can you tell somebody to go fuck themselves? <laughs> absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Can you, I you, curse you, on, your, on your podcast? Is that okay?
0: Absolutely. You could say whatever you want, man. All <laughs> just
1: oh, All right. I'm right. just, you know, just double checking. <laughs> <Until later laughs> say, yeah,
0: yeah, man. I think it's going to be a great show. Um, I want to just kind of end the segment with just asking you, there's a lot of deaths going on right now, man. And this has become the elephant in the room. What the hell is going on in your eyes? You know, I know I have my opinions and and whatnot, but with coming from somebody who's been doing this for 20 plus years, who's been around this, who's competed at the highest level. I mean, what's, what's your take on this with all of these? I don't,
1: I don't really know what to say, man, because listen. At the end of the day, you know, we, 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 we're, the, we're the industry of bodybuilders. OK, and, and if you look at it, just because there was like three or four deaths now in a, in a not so long term time doesn't mean that, you know, they're dropping dead every year in, in, in bunches. You know, I mean, if you look back, how many people really died and then why? You know, we don't really know why. Do, I mean, do the things that we do have play in, in, in a role in it? That's very well possible. You know, but so is smoking cigarettes, so is drinking alcohol, so is driving drunk, you know, mm-hmm. so is a lot of other things. So I, I, I don't know what's going on. But when you look at it, you know, who died because of what? You know, so now we had this girl die in Spain. OK, so Bosley it was you know, maybe diuretics. I don't know the real, act, the, the real truth. I don't know. What was the reason for her death? I do don't know time? yet.
0: That's, that's the thing. I think there needs to be some digging here, but I do think that there's there's definitely a problem with people who think that they know what they're doing and calling themselves coaches. They're, yes. these, they're not really, really coaches. There want to be gurus out there that are doing things. And uh, there's always a risk when it comes to anything you do, okay? When you go out and you go skiing, snowboarding, you have a risk of tearing an ACL or, te- or breaking your knee or your leg. Um, you, can get, you can hit a tree and, and, and knock yourself out or, or you know, something even worse than that. But when it comes to this, there's some practices that are getting out of control. And I think that the people are creating a lab rat environment and I feel that what's, ended, what's happening is these people are being experimented on. And I think that things need to start, people need to start pumping the brakes because what's happening is they're allowing people to dictate what they're doing without really with blinders on without really focusing on understanding what these things are. And I think that that, that, that to, to a degree is starting to happen because they're becoming internet famous as, as, as gurus out there. Hey, and, but that,
1: that, that's, a, that's a huge problem. If you talk about that, let's not talk about the death. Let's just talk about the situation that everybody that has a coach, all of a sudden is a coach. Yep. You know, they, uh, somebody receives one protocol. The next thing you know, you see on the Instagram, he's an online coach. Yes. You know, yeah. everybody's an online coach, and and yes, absolutely right. They have no idea what the fuck they're doing. Okay, lots of people are not doctors. Nobody's mm-hmm. blaming blaming the doctors, but there's a difference of having thirty years of experience mm-hmm. or three months of experience. You know what I mean? Because yes. if you start experimenting with people that pay you, then you need to get you need to get your head chopped off. You know, because you you have no business being there. So I don't want to point fingers at anybody all I want to say is you're absolutely right there are too many people out there that have no business being coaches or calling themselves coaches or charging people to tell them what to do because at the end of the day you know when something happens who's to blame you know I mean I hear I hear things about certain people I never met them in person so I don't want to talk about them because if I don't know a person, I don't want to talk because just what you hear or read, you know, it's not always the, the, the case. So I don't want to specifically target anybody. But, yeah, there there needs to be, uh, this needs to stop. You know, there needs to be, and I mean, it's not only uh, um, the, the guys that call themselves gurus, it's the athletes. The athletes should do a little bit more research. That's right. Don't I jump on that anybody that tells you he can help you. You know,
0: you have to really filter the information properly. And just because they worked with a couple of people or whoever, many people, you don't want to end up being somebody's science experiment.
1: Yeah. And and that's exactly what it is. And people go on the internet. They look who's competing, who's doing well. Oh, who's this coach? That's who I need. That's right. But they don't understand that you only see the people that do well. Right. These coaches, the ones that don't place, you'll never hear nothing.
0: Yeah. Or getting sick.
1: Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, man. I really sad, but how, how can we stop it, bro? How can we stop I, it? I think
0: I think there it, it it needs to be discussed. I think that there's some things that need to be discussed, and, and these are very hard comp conversations. And I know that there's been discussions through Jake Woods, Tyler Mannion, Jim Mannion. I know that there's there's definitely some talk about what it's. I don't know what they're going to do, but I do know that there's conversations that are being had behind the scenes. I
1: know I know that, and I, I'm I'm pretty much informed when it comes to that. And I can tell you this because what uh, the the statement that was made, that's not really what you know. It, it, I don't want people to understand this and thinking, oh, now they don't judge condition anymore. That's not going to be the case. Right. So that's not so, guys. Guys, don't think you can come in full as a house now and not be conditioned that's not going to help you in your placing. So there's other ways that these things need to get handled and, 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 and hopefully they find a way. But it's not going to be because, you know, someone that just died supposedly of diuretics, you know. You know you know yourself. You can't stop it unless you test for it. Yeah. And if you test for it, there's going to be loopholes. So, you know, they tried it before. You go. at the end of the day... You know, you have got to have a responsible person in your, in your corner that can tell you, listen, this is too much. You know, this and is the
0: bottom line is just get in shape, get in shape sooner and don't worry about doing the last minute sh- shenanigans. That's what happened with you. And that's why you said you're going to make yourself either 5% better or 20% worse. Right. I've been saying it for the last 30 years. So you need to make sure that you maintain a state of conditioning and not try to just think it's, Hey man. It's body fat. It's not water, and you're yes. there and try to pull it, and that's what you got to do. So that's the public service announcement from Hani Rambod and Dennis James.
1: <laughs> public service announcement.
0: <laughs> so there you go, uh, man. I really appreciate your time. Um, looking forward to doing your podcast. Okay. and You know it's 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 been a pleasure. Uh, it's. You know, one of those things where whenever we see or talk to each other, uh, whether it was live or anything else, it's always a great moment because we get to catch up, you know, laugh. Exactly. And, um, and I think we both share a true pleasure of the, the sport of bodybuilding. We really, really enjoy it. So we always get to just uh, hit it off and, and pick up exactly where we left off the last time we awesome. talked. Awesome.
1: Thank you for having me, brother. I always appreciate it.
0: Thank you, you know, so I know, much. I
1: know you don't just get anybody on, the, on your podcast. <laughs> Yeah, strange. But I have one question for you though. Sure, one man. question I have for you. When is Hottie coming?
0: Hottie, uh, we are going to know hopefully by the end of the week when. We're trying it. Is it to gonna be easier to... this time or do you still have issues? It should it should be easier this time, but I don't want to jinx it. <laughs> it's a knock on wood. We'll 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 see. And hopefully it's not gonna be two days before the show like it was last year. <laughs> All right,
1: brother. Tell everybody <laughs> yeah, say what's up, my man.
0: Yeah, well, Hani Rambod, Dennis, the menace, James. And that's the truth.